It was a hot summer evening and I decided to take my dog for a walk in the woods near my house. The sun was starting to set and the air was filled with the sounds of chirping birds and rustling leaves. As we walked deeper into the woods, I started to get the feeling that something was watching me. The hair on the back of my neck stood up and I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being followed. My dog, who is usually full of energy, was starting to act strange as well. He was tugging on his leash and whining as if he didn't want to move forward. I tried to reassure myself that it was just my imagination, but the feeling only grew stronger. I quickened my pace and tried to ignore the creeping feeling that something was closing in on us. Just as I was about to turn back, I heard a faint rustling in the bushes behind me. I spun around, but there was nothing there. My heart pounded in my chest and I knew that I had to get out of there as fast as I could. I grabbed my dog's leash and started running, not looking back until I was safely back in my own yard. When I locked the door behind me, I couldn't shake the feeling that something was still out there, waiting for its chance to strike. As the night went on, I couldn't shake the feeling that something was still out there, waiting for me. Every time I heard a noise, my heart skipped a beat and I found myself jumping at every shadow. Just as I was settling down to watch TV, I heard a tapping sound on the window. At first, I thought it was just a branch blowing in the wind, but the tapping continued, growing louder and more persistent. I stood up, my heart racing, and went to investigate. As I peered out the window, I saw a dark humanoid figure standing there, staring back at me with a sinister smile on its face. I froze in terror, unable to move as the figure continued to tap on the window. Suddenly, the power flickered and went out, plunging the room into darkness. Panicked, I fumbled for my phone to call for help, but when I tried to turn it on, the battery was dead. I was completely isolated, with no way to call for help. I backed away from the window, my heart pounding in my chest. I knew that I had to find a way to get out of there, but I had no idea where to go or what to do. As the dark figure continued to tap on the window, I knew that I was trapped, with nowhere to hide from the terror that lurked outside. I was shaking with fear as I heard the doorknob rattle and the door cracking under the pressure of the dark figure outside. I had no idea what to do, and I knew that I was completely helpless against whatever was trying to get in. Just when I thought all was lost, everything went silent. I held my breath, straining to hear any sign of movement. For several long minutes, there was nothing but silence. I was starting to wonder if the figure had given up and gone away, when there was a knock at the door. I froze, unsure of what to do. Finally, mustering up all of my courage, I crept to the door and looked through the peephole. To my relief, I saw a police officer standing there. I opened the door and the officer explained that he had been driving by when he saw a figure on the roof of my house with all the lights out. He had come to investigate and make sure everything was okay. I breathed a sigh of relief and thanked the officer for his help. As I watched him drive away, I knew that I had been lucky to escape the terror that lurked in the woods that night but I couldn't shake the feeling that I wasn't alone in the darkness and that something was still out there, waiting for its chance to strike again. After the police officer left, I couldn't shake the feeling that something was still out there, waiting for me. Despite my exhaustion, I found it impossible to fall asleep and I spent the rest of the night tossing in bed, my mind racing with the events of the evening. As the dawn broke, I finally fell into a fitful sleep, plagued by nightmares of dark figures and sinister smiles. When I woke up, I was covered in sweat and my heart was pounding in my chest. 
I knew that I couldn't stay in that house any longer, not with the threat of whatever was out there hanging over my head. So I packed my bags and left, vowing to never return to that dark, haunted place again. I moved to a new city and tried to put the events of that summer evening behind me, but no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't shake the feeling that something was still out there, watching me, waiting for its chance to strike again. And every time I heard a tap on the window or a rustle in the bushes, I couldn't help but wonder if it was the dark figure come to claim me once and for all. I grew up in a small valley in the mountains. No matter where you looked you would be encased in mountains. Although, not in the middle of nowhere. The nearest town was about a 30 minute drive or a 50 minute bus journey, closest city being a 2 hour journey excluding the wait for transport. The valley had its fair share of children my age too, about 30 children in my class growing up. Despite the amount of children my age, I never got along with any of them. I never really had access to much technology either. I'm part of that one generation where we grew up both playing outside and on technology. I never got access to the internet until I was 12, excluding using family computers. I was lucky enough to have the forest to explore. So, when I was old enough, I would be allowed to take my dog to the forest to explore at my own will. Since I had gone there so much as a child and was usually responsible, I was allowed to explore alone when I was 8. The forest was close to my home and if I wasn't backed by dark family members who knew the forest as well as I did would know where to look. Since then, I've always been fond of the forest. I graduated primary school and went to a comprehensive school about 20 minutes away. Then I made a few friends but they all lived too far away to hang out regularly. I'd either play video games or explore the forest alone. By the time I was 15 I had been to every part and knew it off by heart. I knew the terrain of each part too and had different landmarks. Through all of these years spending hours a day in the forest, I never saw anything I could call weird or out of place. Okay, so I found a few animal carcasses, and that was a little disturbing first time I came across one. But foxes lived in the forest. As much as I wanted to take a few bones as a trinket from my disturbing find I knew to leave it be. I didn't want a disease even if it let me skip school. When I was 16, people began to cut down the forest. I'm not sure why, but since I was the only one enraged by this I assumed it was bound to happen. The forest lost its beauty aside from a few chunks of forestry still standing. So, I'd still spend time in those, but it was nowhere near as fun. I knew there was bound to be less wildlife but the forest felt a lot more dead than I expected. I remember hearing that the company cutting down the trees quit for no reason. They refused to specify why they'd quit, but I'm grateful they stopped as my favorite tree remained standing. It would have been cut if they hadn't stopped. Now, I've caught you up with everything important to this story. Here's the whole reason I'm telling this to you. I still kept doing my regular walks through the forest, but this time I would always be followed by a sense of dread. One specific day during late August I had an argument with my family. This was a regular thing, so I went off to the mountain to just walk and calm down. Since my parents go to sleep relatively early, 9pm, and it would remain light until 10pm during summer, I decided I'd stay until about 9pm and get home by 9.30. It was about 8.45 when I sat down by my favorite tree for a cigarette. 
Yes, I know smoking is bad for you, especially starting at such a young age, but at the time I couldn't have cared less. I lit my cigarette and put the lighter down next to my feet. The sense of dread came, but by this point I knew how to ignore it or just drown it out with music. I sat there and chilled for a little bit, just enjoying the scenery I've seen hundreds of times. It was getting dark, but only a little. I looked down to a part of the forest where a small stream ran through and sheep usually roamed. If you go a bit onwards from there you can find this awesome rock, it's huge. As I stared and contemplated going to the rock after my break I saw something move. It was tall, I could tell that as it moved through the trees, but I couldn't make out what it was. Before I could realize that whatever I was witnessing was probably supposed to scare me, it was gone. Odd, but I ignored it. About 10 minutes later I decided to head to the rock. It would be an easier journey home if I did, and I got to see the cool rock, so what's the harm? Well, quite a lot. I cut through some trees and down a slope, then I followed the stream down. I passed where I saw the shadow move and the sense of dread became overbearing. My mind ran back to the shadow I saw wandering and I tried to shake it off, not being a believer in the paranormal. I thought even if the paranormal were real, if they roamed this forest I certainly would have noticed sooner. I spent my whole childhood up here. I came towards the rock and climbed on top of it like usual. There's a stunning view of the mountains if you know what trees to look through, and the added height from the rock helps so much. Though, what I least expected to see was the shadow. It moved quite slowly as if being careful. Now I had a good sense of its size due to it being a lot closer than before. It was tall, looked like a deer, but stood on its back legs and had human hands. A pair of antlers, long and winding, stood on top of its head. Once it noticed me, it stood still and stared. Standing on the rock usually made me feel tall, but I never felt smaller than during that moment. We stood there, both still, for a moment. The creature began to move towards me, faster than when it had been exploring. I stumbled off of the rock and landed awkwardly on my ankle. I groaned in pain, knowing it was sprained at the very least. I'd sprained my ankle before and recognized the pain. The creature didn't pity my condition, it kept moving towards me. We were now face to face, somehow, despite how it was still supposed to be somewhat daylight for a couple more hours, the forest became dark. I stared the creature in the face, how I wish I hadn't. If I hadn't looked at its face I wouldn't have seen those small yellow eyes or that mouth. The mouth was the worst, it was large and wide, with many sharp pointy teeth all out of place. They were stained yellow and had traces of crimson on the canines. This creature was not friendly. I scrambled to my feet and as I did it swung its arm for me, barely missing. I turned my phone light on and sprinted away, not even daring to look back. I never wanted to see whatever the hell that was again. I got to an opening and it was light again. I was confused and turned back, the creature backing away into its dark patch of forest. I don't hesitate to run home and I go straight to my room. My ankle was still in a lot of pain, so I just stayed in bed whilst rummaging my bag for the painkillers I always carried around. When night came, I was too disturbed to sleep. I heard a scraping noise outside my window and my mind ran to all of the worst possible ideas. Even so, I looked out and there it was. Those horrible teeth and everything. I quickly turned on my bedroom light, limping to my light switch of course, and it ran away. I've learned something important. It does not like light. Since then, it has followed me to dark places. I have to keep a flashlight on me and I keep a small lamp on by my window to scare it away. 
but I know that one day it will get me and I am terrified of it. So, learn from me. If you are exploring out in nature and you feel a sense of dread, get out of there. You don't know what you may find. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It is a nice summer day. The breeze is great. The smell of flowers grazed my nose. Looking in the man-made pond in my backyard. The trees and I mirrored back. The calm rippling water as the fish swim. What a nice day for a hike I thought. I checked my weather app too, in case of any weather changes or weather alerts. My app said there was a 70% chance of light rain, which is fine with me. Who doesn't love a little rain? The smell and the feel. I live in an area surrounded by trees and nature. It is honestly such a beautiful land for living. I know the area like the back of my hand and we have a set of two trails. A shallow creek that leads you to a beautiful opening in the mountain tops, all tied off with a do not trespass sign so the land is all for me and my family and the animals. Today I made my way to trail one. Trail one is about a 10 mile trail all around. It circles around a small neighborhood about 4 miles out. I am familiar with a lot of people around in this neighborhood considering I walk these trails almost every weekend. There is a nice man who lives in a small blue house with a garden in his front lawn. He always waves as I'm passing by while watering his flowers. Before I started my hike I picked up a small backpack to take with me. In this backpack I have three water bottles, two granola bars and a small pocket knife. Starting the trail with a smile on my face I was excited. The weather is perfect. I can see and hear the birds, the squirrels scrambling up the trees shaking the leaves as I pass by, and the sound of the small animals rustling in the bushes trying to hide from me. After a good 22 minutes into my hike I was one mile in. I stopped to take a sip of water and to take a short breather. I sat on the small stub that I passed by where a withered tree had used to stand, but has now fallen due to a strong thunderstorm we had a few months back. While sitting I see a cute little bunny passing. How fluffy and fragile I thought. I cracked open my first water bottle with my teeth and fountained it into my mouth, but that's when I heard it. A loud ear shrieking scream from deep from within the woods, the bunny now scared off, and me standing up looking around pondered on the thought of what that might be. I can't think of any animals that live in these woods that could make such a sound. I try to dismiss it as it may be a group of teens who found their way into the woods, ignoring the no trespassing sign. Continuing with my hike I was now nearing the neighborhood with the crunch of gravel and leaves under my feet. What a satisfying sound, until it was interrupted with that ear bleeding screech again. God, what the hell could make that noise? It was louder this time, still trying to wrap my head around what that awful noise was. I continue through the woods paranoid that's when the rain starts falling. I see something in the corner of my eye. A figure as fast as lightning launching itself through the woods too fast to see and too far gone to be identifiable. Maybe it was a fox. Well if it wanted to hurt me it wouldn't be running away from me. Right. 
Again, that screaming sound, but this time it is near, right behind me. It hurt. I slipped in the mud and fell to the ground as I held my ears covering them with my hands almost crying, lying on the ground letting the rain hit my face. The pain. My ears now ringing due to that noise, like shattering glass. I stood up glancing around even more paranoid than before. I then took the time to look down at my hands. Crimson everywhere. My ears are bleeding. And that's when I saw them. In the corner of my eye. I looked up. Many figures stood in the distance behind trees watching me. Very tall, at least nine feet each, lengthy and skinny. They are the color of a black void. I will never forget their eyes. They were pure white. Staring into them is giving me the most uncomforting, unwelcoming feeling. It was like they want me gone, like they want me to get out. As if this is their woods and their land. Their arms were long, nearly dragging on the ground. Their hands were claws. Oh, so very sharp and disgustingly long. One of them slowly started dragging their claws on the tree, leaving a scratch mark and that awful screaming noise, which I now know was coming from them and their unhinged mouths. One started tilting its head slowly. While doing so, its neck made a cracking sound, stretching and growing in length, making a breaking and snapping sound as it got longer and taller. I had no plans to stay and try to make friends with these ungodly creatures. I just want to get the hell out. I started to run and I didn't look back. I heard the leaves and plants getting mauled through from behind as if something was chasing me. Don't look back, I repeated to myself, but I'm curious and an idiot. Letting my curiosity get the best of me. I turned around for a split second, and that's when I saw six giant beastly creatures charging at me like a wolf pack chasing a small bunny. Their claws digging into the dirt launching themselves forward to get closer to me. One of them hooked my shoulder with their claws dragging me down to the ground. I hit my head so hard onto the rock below me I blacked out for a second. While having whiplash and my instinct for survival, I remembered my pocket knife. No. I forgot my backpack. I looked back up to a giant creature taking me down, slowly moving in towards my face with its unhinged jaw drooling over me, letting its awful horrid breath that smelled like roadkill fill my nose. This is it. I know this is about to be my end. It's about to sink its teeth into me. At this point I'd do anything to just survive. I am not about to be this thing's dinner. I bent my knees into my chest and kicked the creature in the stomach. During the creature's confusion and vulnerability, it loosened its grip of me and I managed to get one of my arms free. I started to jab it in the sides with my fists and started to scratch at its eyes. It shrieked in pain and let go of me. I scrambled up and bolted back through the woods finally making it to the small neighborhood. I ran up to the old man gardening and begged him to help me. He hurried me inside, fixed up my wounds, and let me rest in his basement on his couch. When I was feeling a little better, I explained everything that had happened and he looked at me terrified. I'm gonna be sick, he said holding his mouth running to the kitchen sink. I hurried over to him asking what was going on. He then said to me, he saw a wendigo. You're lucky to have even made it out of its grasp. I'm now writing this one year into the future and I still hear those awful screaming noises from deep within the forest. Every now and then, I still feel like I'm being watched. Christmas has never been my favorite holiday. Yeah, I love free stuff, but it feels like the amount of money I spend always outvalues the gifts I get. 
Other than that, I just don't prefer to hang around a large part of my family, especially for large gatherings. A large part of my family sees our gatherings as a perfect excuse to get blackout drunk and talk angrily at each other over politics and all other manner of controversial topics. My family's Christmas gathering five years ago was no different. I'd flown down to my grandmother's house in southern Florida as the plan was for everyone to meet there and get their fill of food and drinks before finding their way home. I only stayed at my grandma's house for about an hour the previous year, so my mom asked that I stay longer this time. According to her, everyone loved seeing me, although I debate they were too busy arguing what current trend was ruining the world. I ended up staying until about 10 before asking my mom if she could give me a ride back to my hotel since I got a lift there originally. She told me that she wanted to stay for a couple more hours and suggested I try taking the bus to save money instead of ordering another lift. Honestly, anything to get me out of that house would have come off as a good idea. I remembered seeing the bus stop on my way to my grandma's and the walk to it didn't seem like it would be too far. So off I went. At the time it seemed like a perfectly good idea. I didn't know the bus schedule or how long they even ran, but I was willing to take my chances. While walking back to my dorm in the middle of December would cause me to freeze. Luckily winter in Florida rarely drops below 70 degrees. It was honestly a relaxing walk, taking in the nighttime air and quiet. I had started daydreaming about my class schedule next semester before I realized I could make out the bus stop about 30 feet in front of me. I swore under my breath as I realized someone was sitting there. As much as I hated being around my drunken family, I hated awkward stranger small talk even more. The closer I got, the easier it was to make out the person sitting there. She appeared to be a kindly lady in our mid to late sixties. Her hair was a large ball of silver and dark brown, with a large pair of thick rimmed glasses on her face. I have to admit it took me a good while to make out anything other than the bright pink coat she was wearing. For me, 70 degrees was shorts and t-shirt weather, but I suppose it wasn't unheard of to see an older person wearing a sweater anywhere that wasn't 90 degrees. I got within a couple steps of the bus stop bench before the lady turned to acknowledge me. She gave me a very warm, hello and happy holidays that I returned, along with an awkward grin. I tried not to stare, but what I thought was a pink sweater was actually a thick pink fur and feather coat. I'd honestly never seen anything like it. A majority of the coat was made of pink fur, but the collar sprouted enough feathers to cover five or six birds. Dangling from her neck was a long pearl necklace with some sort of elongated bird skull in the middle of it. In my head I wondered if she was into exotic fashion or perhaps a huge bird lover. The sound of her loudly blowing her nose made me jump and shook me from my own thoughts. How was your evening, sweetheart? Her voice was dry but friendly with an accent I couldn't quite place. I told her it was fine and returned the question, to which she launched into a wordy recollection of her entire day. I zoned out somewhere around her getting to the middle of her day and kept eye contact while randomly nodding. Where is your family now? Surprised by the sudden change of topic, I responded by jokingly telling her that they were at my grandmother's house drunkenly singing Christmas carols. She laughed and muttered something about how charming that was. I checked my phone and saw only a couple of minutes had passed and didn't hear or see any signs that a bus was coming anytime soon. I remember my eyes starting to feel really heavy. I shook my head, trying to wake myself up, but the feeling stayed. Excuse me, have you seen my bird? 
I looked at the lady again and she had a look of panic and confusion on her face. Honestly, I probably did too. My bird was in his cage, but now he's gone. I looked on the ground and a large old-fashioned birdcage sat between the woman's legs. How long had it been there? I was pretty sure I hadn't noticed a big metal birdcage before. It was hard to remember or even think because the tiredness I'd started feeling morphed into a slight feeling of vertigo. It felt like the ground around me had begun to slowly spin. Ah, I see him. There's my darling. The lady was on her feet now, pointing across the street. Her voice sounded raspier, as if at some point in the last two minutes, she had turned into a chain smoker. I followed her finger and saw she was pointing at something standing in the tall grass across the street. I couldn't make out what the figure was, but I was positive it wasn't human. It had wide blocky shoulders and a long, wiry neck attached to a large circular head. The area of tall grass the figure stood in was covered in shadow, so I couldn't make out any other details. Through the shadow I could swear the figure was staring directly at us. Could you please go grab him, sweetheart? The lady's voice seemed to be coming from inside my own head, and without even realizing it I felt myself moving toward the figure covered in shadow. As I got closer to the thing it shifted so that its entire body was facing me. It twitched and shook as if electricity was coursing through it. The closer I got, the faster my heart would beat. The more some kind of instinct inside me screamed that I was making a bad decision. But I couldn't stop myself. It was almost as if I had developed an obsession with reaching whatever this thing was. I was halfway across the street and a sudden shift in the moonlight illuminated the creature enough that I got a look at something that could only have been born from a nightmare. It spread its arms like it was stretching a pair of wings. Its skin a pale blue and stretched tight over its thin frame. Long stringy pink feathers sprouted from all over its body. Its long snake-like neck waved and slithered through the air, a head that resembled a pink human skull never broke eye contact with me. Its tiny eyes that glowed a bright red. I couldn't stop myself from walking forward, I couldn't break my focus away from the glowing red eyes of whatever thing stood in the grass in front of me. Its neck stretched outward towards me, shortening the distance until we were face to face. The loud and long blare of a bus's horn caused me to trip and fall backwards. The horn split me from whatever trance I was in, and I looked around to see the bus stopped and waiting behind me at the bus stop. I hadn't heard it pull up, I didn't even know how long it had been there. I twisted myself around and didn't see the old lady in the pink feather coat. Remembering the creature, I turned and was met by a tall man standing just outside the tall grass. He wore tattered clothing covered by a hood adorned in writings and pink feathers. Several large bird skulls hung from a thick rope necklace and several straps across his chest. I'd slowly started backing away before the man lunged at me, a curved knife in one hand. I scrambled to my feet and sprinted to the bus, struggling not to trip. The driver looked at me with confusion and worry on her face, asking several questions. Did I take something? And did I know that man? Among the first, I stuttered and rambled spitting out a bunch of random words, eventually she simply waved me to the back. I was the only one on the entire bus, still no sign of the old lady. The bus dropped me a block or so from my hotel and thankfully I made it to my room without any more incidents. I don't think I'll ever forget the look of that thing standing in the grass. Something that haunts me as much as that creature is the fact that three people in that area disappeared that night. I always wonder if maybe those three people weren't so lucky as to break that creature's gaze.
It all started when my grandparents decided that our old house wasn't big enough for our growing family. Even though it was a decent size, my grandma loved to close the door at night, meaning that she wanted to be alone after a day of socializing with family and friends. And as an introverted Aquarius myself, I understood her completely and was very grateful when she granted me and my brother a small plot of land behind the main house. It was far enough away that it would seem like its own, more than just an extension of the old house. And me and my brother got to pick out the design and interior ourselves. Big decisions for a couple of teenagers, might I add. We felt very important and responsible. The only thing was, when we started on the constructions, something seemed off. Tools kept breaking or going missing. We began to blame each other. The struggle was unbearable and we even talked about dropping the whole project. But then we finally finished, and we felt relieved. That feeling was short-lived though. The first couple of months, there was all these sounds. Knocks on doors, scratching on the walls, sounds from the roof and even the eerie feeling of someone stalking you from the main house to the cabin. When it was dark outside, none of us dared to make the track from the main house up to the cabin alone. Not without at least our dogs, a strong flashlight and phone with one of the adults from the main house on the line. We tried to laugh it off, telling each other that it was just the normal sounds of a new house settling in and that the fear of the track to and from the cabin was just our minds playing games in the dark. The adults even told us to grow up, saying that it was childish of us and that, if we wanted to live like adults and have our own home, we should act like adults too. And for a second I thought that they were right. But then one night, my brother, my boyfriend and I witnessed the most eerie thing I can imagine. We were just about to turn the corner of the main house. My boyfriend was holding the flashlight, my brother used his phone as a light and I was carrying some snacks and a blanket while looking after two of our dogs that we always had with us. Suddenly both of the dogs stopped dead in their tracks, hair standing up on both of them and they started growling at something in the dark. My boyfriend and brother positioned themselves with me in between and then used their lights to search the perimeter for the source of my dog's behavior. At first glance nothing was out of the ordinary, but then my boyfriend caught something in the lights that looked more like a shadow than anything. The dog started barking and it was a struggle for me to hold them back, not wanting to let them go after whatever this was. My brother started yelling, We see you, fool. Show yourself or we will release the dogs on you and call the cops. But whatever it was, just turned away from us and ran behind our cabin. Both boys then decided to charge after the shadow, my dogs nearly going crazy by my side. I decided to let go of one of them, to go with the guys and protect them, while the other one stayed at my sight, as loyal and fierce as ever, which I couldn't say for myself at that moment. Alone in the dark, with only my dog as my protector and no light, since I was carrying the snacks while the boys had the flashlights, I was scared senseless. I tried to listen to the sound of the boys and the dog, not wanting them to get hurt but also feeling very helpless in the dark if anything were to happen. I suddenly heard something rustling in the bushes near me. In a split second I felt everything from relieved to scared to panicked and I couldn't feel my heart or catch my breath. My dog went dead silent beside me, pressing up against me, trying to herd me towards the main house. Safety. Instead of obeying, I turned towards the sound, not wanting anything creeping up on me. I would at least look the danger right in the eye when it came from me. I am not afraid of you, I said into the dark, convincing enough in my tone that I surprised myself. I even felt like my dog acknowledged my strength for its second and stood its ground with me. 
and for a second everything went dead silent. Not even the wind dared to whisper. Then, my other dog came out of the bush behind me, followed by both my brother and boyfriend. All of them panting like crazy. Who are you talking to? My boyfriend asked, bending over and grappling his knees while he tried to catch his breath. I didn't answer him. I just went to my dogs to look for injuries and praising them for their bravery. Then doing the same to the guys, expect not praise but yell at them for leaving me and putting themselves in danger. We then walked the rest of the way to our cabin, checking every window, door and of course, under the beds. But the whole time, I felt like something was watching from the bushes, trying to figure out what it was that wasn't afraid of the dark. My dog who was missing for five months returned home one morning. This is an account of the first two nights at home with him. I was just about to put on a pot of coffee when something brown caught my eye right outside the kitchen window. At the first glance, I thought I must have left a coat out on the porch, but upon closer investigation, I realized it wasn't a coat after all but something alive. I nearly leapt through the glass when it hit me that I recognized this animal. On the porch was my dog, Moose, who disappeared one night five months ago. I'll never forget that day. I came home from a late shift at work to a vacant house. Moose was always there to greet me at the door wagging his bushy tail with his tongue hanging slightly out of the left side of his jaw. That night though, it was deathly silent. My attempts at calling his name were never answered. I searched my house front to back at least ten times. When that didn't pan out I took my search outside where I covered the yard then expanded my search into the nearby woods. I never found a trace of where he might have gone. The following days were spent calling anyone I could think of and putting up posters everywhere. My efforts never bore any fruit. My soul was crushed. It was as if Moose vanished into thin air. Now though, there he was, curled up into a ball on my porch. I flung the door open with enough force it threatened to fly off the hinges and wrapped him in my arms. After I completed my warm reunion with my dog, I pulled away and took a good look at him. I noticed that he hadn't wagged his tail or made any sort of noise at all like he normally did, which made me worry. Hugging him felt like I was wrapping my arms around a statue. Then I noticed something that made me scream. His eyes were gone. They looked like they had been deliberately taken out of him. Not like anything that could have been caused by an accident. A feeling of shock took over me which slowly dissolved into rage. What kind of twisted individual would do this to an animal? Worried for his health I decided my best plan of action would be to take him to the vet. Moose didn't complain or emit any kind of emotion as I picked him up and put him in the back seat of my car. I honestly felt so bad for him. I had no idea what he might have gone through. I knew whatever had happened wasn't pleasant at all. In my mind, I pictured a small rusted cage where he was tormented day and night. I bit down hard enough on my tongue that I tasted iron and tried my best to shake these kinds of thoughts out of my mind. It wasn't going to do me any good to think like that. I was just happy Moose was back. An uneasy feeling crept up me as I drove. My eyes shifted upwards to the rearview mirror where I looked at Moose in the back seat. When I did I nearly swerved off the road. His head was tilted slightly at an odd angle that made it appear as if he was staring right back at me through his hollow eyes. I refrained from looking again for the rest of the ride. We finally made it to the vet and I took him in. I got the vet to do a full checkup on him to make sure nothing else was wrong with him. 
I was told he was in good health, aside from the fact that my dog was now blind. I received some medicine to help prevent any infection in his eyes and a pamphlet about living with a blind pet with tips on ways to improve their quality of life. I finally got Moose home after the long ride where I focused all my attention staring at the road. Letting Moose out of the car I noticed he seemed to have no problem whatsoever getting up the stairs and making his way into the house which sort of freaked me out. I just assumed he had memorized the layout because he's been there so long. That night I double checked every possible way out of my house to be sure everything was locked. I didn't just get him back so he could wander out an open window or door. Moose tried to follow me to bed like he always did, but I lead him out and back to the couch. It was harder for me to find sleep than I anticipated. The feeling of eyes on me kept me up. I kept looking through my cracked bedroom door almost anticipating someone being there. Eventually though, my eyes closed and I drifted off. I woke up sometime early in the morning right as the sun was trying to breach the horizon. I reached over to check the time on my phone. Before I got to my phone a shape outlined in my doorway caught my attention. I turned my head to see Moose peeking through my cracked door looking dead at me. He was barely illuminated but I could tell something was wrong about his outline. He looked bigger and his silhouette contained sharp protrusions shooting out of it. My heart raced upwards as I took in the sight before me. I guess he somehow noticed me looking because he slowly disappeared past the door. I heard floorboards bend and creak as he made his way back down the hall. I laid in my bed well after the sun came up. I cracked my door and tiptoed into the living room where I saw Moose sitting at the front door. He looked like he should. I felt like a fool for being scared of my own dog. His head turned as I entered and I walked over to pat him on the head. I was relieved I didn't walk in to see some mutated horror that was once my dog. I tried to shift the blame on me still being half asleep. A little while later I got ready and left for work. Before I did I made sure Moose had some food and water then told him goodbye and left for my shift. The whole time I was at work I couldn't help but think back on what I had seen that morning. I was just seeing things, right? When I pulled into my driveway that afternoon, I saw Moose looking out through the living room window at me. I say looking because the way his head was facing the window peering out at me in my car. It was like I could feel his sight on me. I tried to ignore the goosebumps breaking out over my body as I got out of my car and headed for the front door. I watched the window as my foot landed on the first step and Moose hopped down from the window. I knew where he was heading. Right as I opened the door Moose was there. I was happy for a moment because it reminded me of how it always was before he vanished. I walked past him and gave him a pat on the head and told him he was a good boy. Sure he unnerved me a little but I could never be scared of Moose. I still remember the day my parents brought him home from the shelter. Since then he's always been by my side. The rest of the evening was uneventful. I cooked dinner and gave Moose a healthy scoop of dog food that he practically inhaled. Me and Moose sat in the living room with a movie playing. I have the weekend off so I had a few drinks during the movie. I noticed Moose was acting strange. Looking over at him he was stiff as a board peering out the window into the night. Like he was seeing something out there. When the movie finally ended along with my drinks, Moose was still looking outside. I figured I would give the yard a once over with the flashlight to calm my nerves. I grabbed the flashlight I kept under the sink and opened my front door to peer out into the abyss that my yard became after sundown. My house is positioned a good ways off from the road so the street lamp's glow doesn't reach it. I scanned the tree line trying to see if anything was out there. 
Staring out, I felt as if the trees themselves were looking back at me. After a few minutes of scanning back and forth, I gave up. Whatever had Moose so spooked was beyond me. I got back inside and was getting ready for bed while Moose was still looking out the window. The only time he got up was to follow me into my bedroom, where I walked him back out to the couch and told him goodnight. That night I woke up to Moose barking. I leaned over to grab my phone which told me it was 3.15am. I hurried out of my room but froze halfway down the hallway. There was something off with Moose's barking, it was like he was reaching a lower octave with each bark. It didn't sound like it used to either. There was something predatorial about it. I slowly reached the end of the hall and peered around the wood paneling to get a look at where Moose was. When I saw Moose I nearly cried out, but stopped myself with a hand over my mouth. He looked as if he had put on at least 50 pounds, but that wasn't all though. His back was arched upward like a cat when it's scared and parts of his spine had broken through the skin. Each exposed vertebra was sharp and serrated. His teeth were bared with his mouth curled into a snarl. I was so close to his bark now that it seemed to shake my very being. His attention wasn't on me though. His body was positioned facing the window, the same one he couldn't take his eyes off earlier. This time it wasn't only the darkness looking back beyond the window, it was accompanied by two wide eyes and a manic smile. My heart nearly jumped into my throat when I saw it. Then his gaze which was fixed on Moose shifted over to me and this time I wasn't fast enough to suppress my scream. Moose began to turn around. His head turned with his body as he stood mere feet from me, empty sockets instantly locking with my eyes. He stared intently for what felt like forever until I heard a knock at the door, followed by what sounded like stifled laughter, like a hand clasped over a mouth only allowing little pieces of it to escape. My attention shifted from Moose to the front door as the knocking began to grow louder. Moose whirled around to face the door and began barking again. I just stood there shaking, I couldn't move. My heartbeat was in my ears and I was sure it was about to give out. The laughing grew and grew as I saw the doorway start to give under this person's inhuman strength. The door cracked and splintered as the man's red soaked hands began to appear from the other side. Moose was growling something guttural and low as the man reached one of his arms through the new hole in my door trying to open the door, ripping off little ribbons of flesh as he worked his way down. Laughter exploded into the room as the man's grip finally found the inside lock and began to turn. Horror possessed my entire being as the door slowly opened up to show a man who was at least seven feet tall and bone thin. He stood right in the doorway with one of his crimson covered hands over his mouth cackling like a disturbed child. There you are. Those were the only words that escaped his lips before Moose launched himself at him. The man went completely airborne when Moose struck him. He crashed through the railing on the porch and was swallowed up by the darkness beyond. Moose trailed right behind him into the abyss. I sat there with my now empty bladder as the laughter from the man and Moose's howls grew quieter and quieter. How long I sat motionless before moving again is anyone's guess. When I regained myself, the only thing I could think of to do was call the police. I repeated the night's events, only leaving out the part about what happened to Moose. I doubt they would believe that. At the time I wasn't sure I believed what I had seen either. I just told them that Moose chased him off and hasn't come back. It wasn't long before I heard sirens and blue lights fill my yard. They asked me a few questions before a few officers went and scanned the surrounding woods and streets. I sat in my kitchen on a stool trying to process what had just happened. 
The sun rose before I heard any news. It didn't calm my nerves in the slightest. I was told they found signs of a struggle in multiple locations, but never found the man I described. There was no sign of Moose either. A detective gave me his number and told me to call him if anything came up and with that, I was alone in my house. Trying to do anything that would help me not be alone with my thoughts, I decided to go pick up a new door. There was no way on earth I was sleeping without one. Well, that's if I could even fall asleep. After a long and quiet trip to Lowe's, I came home and started my work. It was slow at first as I had no carpentry experience whatsoever, along with last night's events playing on an endless loop in my head. I found myself worrying about Moose. I was scared senseless the moment I saw him, but somehow I still thought of him as my dog. That night it felt like he was trying to protect me. I hoped he was okay. I wanted him back home, even though he wasn't the same dog I knew before he disappeared. I finished putting in the new door the best I could. I was honestly proud of myself, it actually turned out better than I had hoped. The remainder of the day was spent periodically checking outside and doing chores around the house to quiet my thoughts. I had just finished eating dinner when I heard movement on my front porch. It was muffled behind the door but I could tell something was there. Slowly rising to my feet I grabbed a knife from the kitchen seeing that man's crazed eyes and smile in my mind. My heart rate quickened as I held my breath while creeping up to the door. I was trying my best to stay calm but I was losing the battle. I slowly looked through the peephole in the door and dropped the knife to the ground. I didn't see the man from the night before, instead Moose was lying curled up on my welcome mat. All fear I had of him drained out of me as I opened the door and wrapped him in my arms, just like I had done when he showed up a few days ago. There were cuts all over him and a large gash in his leg, which I quickly wrapped the best I could. Moose laid on the floor panting as I made him a meal and called the vet, completely forgetting that they weren't open. I just sat with him for a while to make sure he was okay until I noticed he had fallen asleep. It's been a few weeks since then, now me and Moose are almost inseparable. Slowly as time passed, he began to act more lively like he was before he vanished. I haven't seen him in that form like he was that night. I still think about it every once in a while, but then I take a good look at him and honestly it doesn't really affect me anymore. I know Moose would never hurt me. Every night I still make sure my house is secure. Not to keep Moose in, but keep whoever showed up that night out. The police never found the man. I still dream of that face in my window and it makes my blood turn to ice. One more thing that's changed. After that night I no longer bar Moose from my bedroom at night. He follows me in and lays on the new dog bed I have placed right beside me. Good boy.